Father, we thank you tonight to be able to approach the throne of grace. Hallelujah. We expect in this service to go from glory to glory. We expect to ascend the hill of God. Hallelujah. And so if there's things in our life that hinder us, Lord, we just repent now in the name of Jesus. Be, be so gracious to point it out to us because you said he that hath clean hands and a pure heart that's not lifted up his soul to vanity nor sworn deceitfully, he shall ascend the hill of God. And so we want to climb that mountain of your holiness, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus and enter into your glory and your presence in a way that we've never experienced before. We thank you for your people who are gathered in your name. We look, now we look to you that you would let us speak as the very oracles of God. We pray that you help us to function fully in the ministry and the gift and the calling that you've given us. We covet earnestly the very best gifts to operate and flow in this place. Above all else, we want Jesus to be magnified and exalted and glorified in the hearts and the minds and the eyes of your people. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. May be seated, please. Hallelujah. I, uh, <clears throat> I don't always get real nervous when I'm going to stand up to preach, uh, you know, as far as you know, in a sense that I fear people, I do feel kind of stressed out most of the time about getting the right message. You know, that really uh, works me over. You know, you don't know sometimes, I mean, because, you know, I appreciate feedback when I get it. I don't always ask for it because sometimes I get something I don't ask for. <laughs> you know, in other, in other words, some folks, you give me is and you take a mile. And, uh, it's, it's not that I mind being corrected, but sometimes when you're under the anointing, I've been under, boy, it'll kill you. They'll come up, you know, people, just, just a little simple thing like this. You preach a message on healing, getting people say, uh, healed by the power of God. And the first thing that'll happen to you almost invariably is that somebody will ask you, well, why don't everybody get healed? I say, what is it? Do I look like God? I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. You know, uh, I've, I've had a lot of people be very critical and say, well, they don't have faith. Well, that's maybe. But I don't know anybody can be saved without faith. And there may be saved. They just haven't, you know, there's a lot of reasons. I don't know all the reasons. I don't have all the answers. I wish I had some I wish I had all the answers. I haven't figured out the questions yet. You know, I've got a lot of them too, you know. I, and some, you know, I always taught my children, uh, one of the things I taught them anyway now, is this, is if you want answers, you've got to have questions. If you want God to talk to you, you've got to have some questions. And don't be afraid to ask them. You know, Jesus Asked, we had a lot of questions last night. I think we thinned the place out some too, but I'm not sure. Maybe that's not the reason at all. I don't know. I'm not worried about that. But, uh, you know, you know, Jesus, would, he, and sometimes he'd give you answers. He wouldn't even ask him anything. He'd just be walking along with his disciples, and he answered them and said, the Scripture said. Well, he, they, were, they were thinking something. Amen, hallelujah. And he perceived it and just gave them answers about it, praise God. And I'm gracious. I'm, I'm glad that God is gracious and gives us, gives us that. But anyway, getting back to the point of that, I really, I stress because, you know, I don't know what God's going to do. Sometimes it depends more on you than it does me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if folks don't want to receive you and you're not, I haven't had that kind of resistance here, you're receiving us. But Sometimes you get in a place where folks don't want to receive you. You can't, you know, you feel like you're a fool. You just you know, you flumble around. You go out there and think, God, did I, I feel like I heard one man say, he feels like you washed your feet with your socks on. 
you know, you just, just a crazy old feeling, you know, you think, man, I didn't, it used to frustrate me to no end when I first started out in the ministry. Because I thought, well, you know, I'd go to some churches. Man, they, was, they were ready to go. Man, you'd preach, and you could just feel it being pulled out of the depths of your being, things that you yourself didn't even know. You know, it was just God's Spirit came on you. And then you go to another place, and it's just like preaching down through a field full of stumps, plowing down through a field of stumps with a one-horse plow and no horse on it. <laughs> just pushing that boy through. And, uh, and I thought, man, this is bad. And then I'd go, and I was, and I... If you don't know anything about prophetic moved and motivated people, we are very introspective, perfectionist in some ways by nature. And so we will, and you know, but I'm talking about the God nature he puts in us. And so a lot of things you'll just, you just work yourself over. I just beat myself up so bad. I say, oh, God, man, you, you stupid thing. How come you didn't preach me? Why come you, you know, just all of the questions. But I, 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 I went to the Lord about it. I said, Lord, why? And he said, well, he even pointed two points of scriptures out to me. One was in Hebrews 5 where he said, I, Paul was talking. He said, I have many things to utter unto you, but I cannot sing that you're dull of hearing. So some things cannot be said to some people because they're not, they're dulled in hearing. It don't mean they can't hear. It just means that they're at a level at some point in time where they, and Paul was no ordinary run-of-the-mill preacher because Peter said concerning about Paul, he said he speaks things. He said it's hard to hold, it's hard to understand it. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to grasp it. And, 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 and so it was a, Paul was a person of revelation, mainly because God wanted to give him things to bring to you and I. He's the apostle of the Gentiles. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And so we can learn a lot of things. Now, uh, so I, I, I trust tonight we're going to flow along with the Lord. I, I, I tried last night to get to a certain place, and I didn't get there because the Lord gave me something before I came in. So I'm, I, I'm meditating and trying to do some horizontal meditation this afternoon, laying on the couch, close my eyes to sleep, and the Holy Ghost wouldn't let me sleep. Amen, hallelujah. He was working me over, giving me things, just certain thoughts that I feel like we want to say. I, I'm trying to get to that, I'm trying to get to a sermon to talk to you about the levels of uh, God's presence and glory. I'm trying to get there. But there's some things that needed to be said last night, and there's some more things I think that needs to be said tonight. So I want you to, first of all, open your Bible to Job 19. I had never, I was just kind of looking through the Scriptures today uh, for a certain thing, and I came up on these verses. I've never, I really need to study them more. I don't like to preach things I haven't worked on for a while, I mean a little bit. But there's a truth in here I want you to see. One of the biggest problems that we as people have that hinders us from receiving from God is the sin of familiarity or the taking for granted. You know, it don't work good in, a, in, a, in relationships between husbands and wives if you do that. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> my son, he's about ready to get married and he's got to, you know, he's going to find out what I heard one fellow say. Love is that thing that comes over you before marriage and leaves shortly thereafter. <laughs> That's not true. He's got a lot of ideas about some things. I was sharing with the pastor. Now, if he comes out here, be gracious and don't tell him I said this because he'd be, I might embarrass him. But uh, he said, he tell me one day we was jogged together sometime. He said, I tell you, marriage, he said, I've got it figured out. He says, about 10% romance and the rest or something else. I forget what it was. I said, I thought to myself, I didn't say anything right at the moment. I thought to myself, man, are you going to wake up on, <laughs> wake up on that morning after marriage? You're going to find out a lot of things, pal. There could be a whole lot more to it than that. It's going to be, but one of the key things to it, to any kind of relationship is intimacy. 
you know. And we want to get to the four levels of intimacy, maybe if not tonight, tomorrow night. But I want to talk about this sin familiarity. I'm not sure all of the things that was being said here in Job 19, beginning at verse 13, but there's a point in there I do want you to see. He hath put my, he hath put my brethren far from me, and mine acquaintance are very estranged from me. My kinsmen, my kinsfolk have failed, and my familiar friends have forgotten me. Now, that's a point. See, sometimes we get so familiar about people, just people in general, that we'll just tend to forget them and how they are. Or, or uh, that's not all the reasons why we forget. We forget for various reasons, but I'm talking, especially uh, uh, in a church setting where you've got people gathered together, you sometimes just kind of take one another for granted. You don't think about anything. There's some tragedy or something happens, and then everybody does what they should have been maybe doing all along in a, di in, in a different way. They should have, they coagulate around that person, and they do whatever's necessary to help them heal and bring them to a place of, you know, victory or whatever they need. Now, he said, uh, so let's read it again. He hath put my brethren far from me, and my acquaintance are very estranged from me. One of the words, uh, one of the words for uh, definition for the word familiar, it has something to, if I can find it here, it means substantial acquaintance with or knowledge of something. Huh? In other words, it's a person who has, we may have substantial knowledge one of another, and I'm talking about it, in, that's a, maybe a, just a general statement, but in a negative sense, you'll have a, you'll have a substantial knowledge of someone and because of that, you'll take them for granted. Well, you know, sometimes we, we know and experience the goodness of God, but we take it for granted. Now, when Moses experienced the presence of God, one of the things that said about him was, or one of the things that the Scripture said about that is that, he, uh, that when God passed before him, he showed him his goodness. So goodness is related, and, and it's related in that particular context of Scripture to the glory of God. So a lot of times then, we can be, uh, one of the things he says in Deuteronomy 28 that would cause us to come under, under the curse would be that we don't serve the Lord with thanksgiving. Hallelujah. So if we become people who are unthankful, now let's keep this thought in mind. I'm talking to you about things that pertain to revival. You know, it'll kill a revival quicker than anything in the world when people become familiar. It'll come, you have a revival spirit in the church, it'll kill it. It'll, this kind of a thing will kill it. We'll sit here in another scripture in a different way, but it will kill it. You can never take anything for granted where God is concerned. I'm going to tell you something. I've done it, and you've done it. And we don't have to take no senses here tonight, and we won't raise no hands. But there's been some times where I've taken God for granted, and I've cut the blessing of God off my life. And maybe I was grumbling. Maybe I've gone a little step further and just grumbling and complaining about something. Well, I don't like that church down there. Well, go talk to a Russian who didn't have one for 70 years and who will impart some information to you maybe that you've never seen before and make you come more appreciative of what you have. You can take your pastors for granted. I'm going to tell you something. That's one of the most devastating things where people are concerned and keeps them from receiving the anointing of God is when they take that man of God that God has placed on I, I'm not the principal teacher and preacher in this ministry. I'm just a guest speaker coming through you're saying something. I'm not the man that has any say-so. I don't put the, I don't, in other words, I don't, I'm not putting the bulk of knowledge that you have in you. I've not put it in there. I've been, I've put some maybe, and, but this man and woman of God have put that in there, 
And God, because, you know, I have utmost respect for pastoral ministries. First of all, because I pastored. <laughs> I used to, when I first started off, I would go to places and I got caught in that little trap of people coming and tell you how bad their pastor was. They wouldn't say it sometimes quite that way, but they'd say it in ways that were insinu- insinuations. And I got caught in that thing and got an attitude on me. And finally the Lord said, I'll just do you a favor. I'll let you pastor for a while. Hallelujah. It took 12 years to get my brain straightened out. You know what I'm saying? I just didn't have some, I had, my concepts were wrong. You know, it was, you know, but people become familiar. See, you're not really becoming familiar only with a person, but you're becoming familiar with the anointing on that person, which is, takes, a, puts a different perspective on it. It means then that you, that you have said, well, you know, this is just, you know, people say, well, I just know what they're going to do. I've had them say that to me. Say, well, I don't know how you know what I'm going to do because I don't even know what I'm going to do sometimes. I go there intending to do one thing and end up doing something altogether different. Hallelujah. And so you, but you take it for granted and you'll not receive from it. Listen, maybe you've never thought about this. But the little woman that Elijah went to and told her, I want, a, make, I want you to make me some bread. And she was making only some for her husband, her son and herself. She's going to eat it and die. That woman didn't give that preacher that biscuit because he's a preacher. That woman didn't give him that biscuit because I, for any other reason except she was buying into the anointing. Hallelujah. She paid her tithe on her perpetual miracles, what she did. That first part was hers. But she, she didn't do so No mother alive, generally speaking, is going to give a, let's say a real godly woman is going to give the last piece of bread to a stinking preacher. Come on here and say, man, you missed a good chance to get back at us preachers. It's true. I mean, you mothers, you know, my wife's a mother. You just think she's not one, you start messing with them youngins and see. Hallelujah. She'll scratch your eyes out, and I'll let her too, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. But uh, <laughs> because that's, she's got a, some mothers are different than others. Some have a real mother. In, I mean, the instinct is strong there. See, But, but she gave in, she pressed into the anointing. He was no truck that backed up to her door and said, well, I'm going to give you a year's supply of food. It just happened day after day after day after day. She had to, she had to continuously do it. What a deal. Well, you know, there was something going on inside. That woman just, just you know, we could preach a little story about that and all by itself. But, brother, she understood some things. And she was not taking it for granted. She received, perpetually received from that person. That's a good point. Hallelujah. I wish somebody in Kansas would say amen. Hallelujah. Now, so... So Job said, my kinsfolk have failed and my familiar friends have forgotten me. Jesus talked about a familiar friend, or it was David actually talked about, was referring both to Jesus and to himself. His own familiar friend has lifted up his heel against me. He was talking about Judas, who partook of the anointing of God, who partook of casting out of devils, who partook of the miracle working power of God, and yet he got a place where he, it would be safe to say that there was some sense of familiarity about him. Maybe much, much more than that for sure. But he was just taking something for granted. Well, you think you're going to get into the presence of God with that kind of attitude. You can forget it. You might as well go sit in the car. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what my daddy used to tell me when I was misbehaving. Boy, go sit in the car. Amen. Hallelujah. And and so then he goes on to say, they that dwell in my house and my maids count me a stranger and I am alien. See, he's talking about how familiarity works. See, 
Here's the thing about they that sit in my house. Well, let's just go back to your pastors again. Here they are. They're here day after day, week after week. Sometimes they say, well, hallelujah. I mean, you know, we've got wonderful pastors. I think you probably think that. But, but if you get familiar, one of these days, God may say to them, it's time. It's over. I want you to go. And there you are. You say, I thought they was going to be there forever. Huh? I'll tell you one thing, just talking from a prophetic point of view, anybody that takes a, a, a prophetic ministry for, for granted is going to get very little, including... And they ain't coming back. There's some place I wouldn't go back to if it called me and offered me $1,000 an hour. Because I don't want the grief I'm going to have to put up with with that bunch of stuff that's going on right there. I'm not going to waste my anointing. Jesus told me not to cast my pearls before swine. Hallelujah. I'm not going to do it, praise God. I wish somebody shout in here, hallelujah. I know you're listening, but shout once in a while just so I know you're there. All right, good. Now, he said, he had put, I'm going to start all over again because I just like to repeat. He, it's because repetition is a mother's skill. Amen. He that hath my brother, he, he hath put my brethren far from me. My acquaintance are very estranged from me. My kinfolks have failed and my familiar friends have forgotten me. They that dwell in my house and my, and my maids count me for a stranger and an alien in their sight. My. I call my servant and he gave me no answer. Sound about right? Pastor said, I need some help. And somebody said, no help needed. <laughs> you sing an old song, need any help, no help, want to handle this job all by myself. Well, you better do it if you're a preacher because sometimes you ain't going to get no help. They used to tell me in the Navy, you want a helping hand to find on the end of your arm. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> I called my friend and he gave me no answer. I entreated him with my mouth. Now, see, I want you to understand he's talking about familiarity. That's a serious little, this is, you know, these good little scriptures. I wish I had a little more time to work on them just to read them to you. My, my breath is strange to my wife. That's bad. See, we're getting right down into the, where, the, where, where things are in the home. And I was going to tell you this. I forgot to tell you. My son, he, was, he, he said, he told us, he told, I don't know how we got into the conversation. It's been years ago. He said, because he studies everything. And he said, men speak about 12,000 words a day. And ladies, you ladies speak about 24,000. Men talk in the morning, ladies talk in the evening. And so, you know, you just come home uh, from work, and sometimes it can be misinterpreted, and, uh, and your wife's talking your ear off, and you say, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. See, you, you think inside of you that nothing's going on, but she's thinking, man, he's taking me for granted. And he, you just wait, big boy. There's some privileges you've been enjoying you're not going to get. It's not a marriage seminar. I'd work that one real good, boy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. And you ladies, bless your little heart. You, you, you get up in the morning, some of you do, and you paint it on left and right, you know. And that's okay. That's fine. But you, you, sometimes you've been married so long, you come floating out in the morning, and you've got a robe on. That sucker has been around since Methuselah. It's gone out of style three times and back in vogue again. <laughs> and your hair is sticking straight up, man. You look like you've been caught in the toaster. And, and you wonder why your husband don't come home early. Well, no, I'm having a little fun with all this. But, but, you know, I'm saying it's just a lot of things sometimes we take for granted. You know, marriage is much deeper than that. I can tell you that right now. Hallelujah. But the thing about it is, uh, you, you know, we can just kind of get from, you know, I don't know what he means here. I, I really like, really like to, 
my, my breath is strange to my, what's that mean? I don't even know what that means, but it just sounds like it's something bad. And though I entreated for the children, uh, and I entreated for the children's sake of my own body. In other words, that's another little thing. You know, some of you, you're old enough to have children. They've gone on, and why don't they ever come see me anymore? Hmm. You know, things like that. You know, we kind of, and sometimes there's such a sense of, you know, we, I just want you to get a little point. I'm just dry, I'm working this real good because I want you to get the point because this relationship between us and God, there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of things that need to be seen. Hallelujah. Woo. My, this is good stuff, man. It's better than Malta Mill. Hallelujah. Now, I wish I could have had more time to work on this scripture. It just seems I'm going to work on it. I'll tell you one thing. If I ever come back in here and preach it again, I'm going to be well informed. Hallelujah. If I can find out. Yay, young children despise me. Now, that's, that's one of the things that I really have a problem with. There's such a sense of disrespect for the older generation more so than my generation. I, I, my daddy was not a Christian. My mother was not a Christian. But if I ever did anything disrespectful to someone grown up, my head, my dad just popped my head right in church even. If I'd sit in church and do something I wasn't supposed to, he just, he was, we'd go to church. we just sinners going to church. he just boop, boop, give me a knuckle bump like they say down in Texas right on my head. Boy, boom. Boy, you better get it together. Shh, you know. Well, it's all right to beat your children in church. Better than me have to do it. Now I will, but I mess up real bad. Hallelujah, I don't mind. Uh, sometimes it ain't the children, it's the problems the parents. Hallelujah, amen. So, you know, I hate to tell all these stories about myself because I already think somebody probably thinks I'm such a worse person. After I told that story about writing that man about that money last night, I figured I'd never see anybody again. But I was preaching, I was preaching in a place years ago down in Richmond, in a church down in Richmond, Virginia. Man, it was the most disordered place I ever seen in my life. They just get up and walk across one another, uh, the young people especially, just get across and walk right over here like these young ladies just get together and talk and say, and just talk out loud, right out loud while you're preaching. And just do all kinds of things. I put up with a couple of nights and I was new in the ministry. I didn't know what to do. It was difficult for me. I was, you know, I'm, I don't like that kind of thing. It, you know, if it distracts me, it distracts the Holy Ghost. See, Amen. And so, in a, in a sense, you know, I'm not the Holy Ghost. Don't misunderstand me, but it does. And so, I, that's back, you remember years ago, back in the 70s, had big wide belts. You get, that was the stupidest era I ever lived in my life because they sold britches with belt loops that wide and belts this wide. You know, you couldn't get them in there. That was a confused bunch of folks as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, I had them in. I got it stuffed in there, and I had a couple of them. So, I went to the service after a couple of nights, and I just held it up and said, see this? I said, some of you parents don't make your children mind. They get up and walk around while I'm preaching. It's disrespectful to me and the Holy Ghost. I'm going to use this belt on them. And if you don't like it, I'll use it on you. I've never been back to that church. <laughs> Hallelujah. They invited me back. I don't know if I'd have done it or not, but it, it's, everything's settled down. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. And I was glad about that. All my inward friends, isn't this interesting? I think what he's saying when he says that, all of those people who are in that close circle, I'm going to show you if I get to that message, which is not going to happen tonight, I can tell you, hopefully tomorrow night. I'm going to show you that there is an inner circle that we can live in from the Word. I'm going to show it to you. It's in the Word. So he's saying, my inward friends, those that are closest to me, abhor me. Well, you know, you don't have to have any reason for folks to hate you sometimes. The devil gets on them, they'll do that. 
Or, you know, I, I, I'm so perfect, it's impossible not to like me. Ain't nobody going to take nothing of that. You ain't going to say nothing. Are you just going to sit there. You Now, no, you know better. That's why you're not saying anything. You know that. But, but, but <laughs> what was the point I was going to make? I, I don't know. Let's start all over again. In my inward friends abhor me, and they whom I, who love me turn us. You listen, Jesus experienced that. People that he led in close to him did it. And he told one of them he's going to do it. He said, you're going to deny me. Now, how do you, what do you think was going on there? Well, maybe a lot of things. But one of the things was the sense of familiarity. Somewhere in the mind of those apostles, they thought that Jesus was going to set up a kingdom. They were going to be right here. Listen, they were a crew, pal. They had a good church just like any other church, just people in an ordinary church. Two of them put their mother up to go ask Jesus, put her up to go and ask Jesus if one could sit on the left and one could sit on the right. And what amazes me, she did it. Went right in there and said, Jesus, I want to ask you something. All right, go ahead and ask me. What, what do you want? I want one of my sons to sit on the left and one on the right. And he said, it's not mine to give, but are you? Now listen, he said to him, are you able? We know they're familiar because of what they said in this next statement. He said, are you able to drink of the cup that I am and partake of the sufferings that I'm going through? We are able. The height of presumption, which is one of the derivative words of the word Familiar. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church. Now, <laughs> see, familiarity means undue liberty or forwardness or impropriety. It's a way that, you know, God forbid we get that way. I, I, I don't believe for one minute most of God's people would ever intentionally ever do anything like this. You understand? But I do believe that we become so calloused and so hardened sometimes unknowingly that we just come to a place where we no longer have the sensitivity. God's trying to break into service and do something. He may not do it the ordinary run-of-the-mill way. My God, you know, our ministry and the call on our ministry and the anointing that God has given us, it is the type of anointing that can have those kind of things that happen in it sometimes. And we have unusual things. My God, I've, had, I've been under the power sometimes where nothing would work from the waist down and just laying there on the floor, couldn't even move, wanted to move, couldn't move. Or, 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 or the hand of God came on me one time in South America and I lost my ability to talk for three and a half half hours and then when I started talking I could only talk in tongues and I have services sometimes you know I was in a place in Virginia been a couple years ago to a friend of ours preaching revival I can't remember exactly how this happened maybe my wife can help me some the spirit of God come on me I couldn't I couldn't talk usually Josh when he's along he kind of knows what's going on because he's been around it and I couldn't I, it was the strangest thing I could point I could I had to open my Bible and point what I wanted to do and the pastor, he caught a hold of it, and he just took it right up. The anointing came on him, and he started flowing, and there I was, and I couldn't do nothing. I couldn't talk. Hallelujah. You know, unusual things happen. Well, you know, God wants to break into service. You know, we, 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 we have all kinds of things like that happen sometimes. Just, just, you know, you can preach maybe for six months and never see anything. It's just normal. I mean, you know, uh, it could happen here tonight. You know, it, or it, you know, whatever. I don't know what God wants to do. I'm not, I don't try to make it happen. But if we are in a place of, so well, I just know what God's going to do. Hallelujah. Sometimes, you know, brother, I used to do this when I come to church. I, I had people who didn't like the music. 
and they didn't like it because I played it. And I'm not that good of a musician, but they just didn't like it. So they, or we, and we'd get a little lively, and they didn't like that, so they would wait for about an hour before they come in, come late. So I got smart, or I thought I was. I started preaching, and when they come in, we sang after they got there. <laughs> so you're not going to get by with nothing. You're just not got a right attitude, and we're going to fix you for that. You know, there's just something about me as a person. I just like for them to challenge me because I, I just I'll work with it. But you know, you know, I tell this story sometime. We had one of the greatest moves of the Spirit of God on, start breaking out on Sunday morning, but it started like this. I come to Wednesday night service, and I was planning on, uh, you know, to preaching, I got all prepared, got my message already. You know, God, he'll tell you, he'll tell you. Hey, listen, he's going to need you to prepare because I'm going to break in. He'll tell you that. He'll let you just do whatever. You know, you go along because you don't know. And it's good you don't know sometimes, I guess. But it just, I, I got up behind the pulpit, got ready to preach, and I opened my mouth to say something. The Spirit of God said, don't say anything. Don't you say a word. I said, I want you to pray in tongues. Just close your eyes and pray in tongues and do it until I tell you to quit. So I prayed for four to five minutes. Another tongue standing there in the pulpit. I don't know what they did. I had my eyes closed. I just prayed and got through. And the Lord said, tell them good night and go home. So I said, good night, go home. So they left. You know, looking at one another. <laughs> that strange look, you know. What's wrong with the pastor? You know, <laughs> but I did. Yes, that's what God told me to do. I'm not saying you do that all the time. I'm not even saying you have to do that. I'm just simply saying that's what he said. And so I went back on the next Wednesday night, and sure as God's in heaven, it started out the same. He let me talk a little bit this time. It got started, and he said, I want you to pray in tongues. So I said, I'm, I'm going to pray in tongues. I told him that time. So this time I prayed, and I, I peeped out through my eyes to see what they were doing. You know, and they were looking around, you know, and looking funny at one another. And after a while, you'd see a few of them catch on, and they'd start praying with us. Now, that only happened a couple of times, and it seemed like a Wednesday night service. We had Wednesday night services, the most unusual services in the world, I think, for Wednesday night. They had biggest crowd in that church. I had the biggest crowd on Wednesday night. Isn't that strange? You don't want to have that kind of thing in midweek. And, but, 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 uh, but uh, boy, I feel that Holy Ghost. Whew, man. <laughs> Woo, I think I'll just have a little break if you don't mind. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sunday mornings, though, people started moving in the Holy Ghost. Gifts of the Spirit began to operate. People began to shout and praise God. I thought, what? Now, that's not, that's, not, that's not ordinary sometimes, you know, in some churches. Sunday morning, they come in all frozen up. They've been watching TV to 3 o'clock in the morning. And it's, you can't raise them from the dead. They watch John Wayne. It would be good if they did watch John Wayne. They didn't have a little vigor in them. It's, it's what they don't. There's some other things they watch that gets them all messed up. But anyway, uh, you know, they come in. You can't hardly get them off the ground. It's like you, if, if it was Cape Canaveral, there would be no launch that day. Amen, hallelujah. It ain't going nowhere. It just, you know, they're there. And so I, as, but Sunday morning, of all things, young people even, young people started working in the gifts of the Spirit. I thought, what did I do or what did we do to make this happen? never occurred to my lightning flash mind that what was taking place on Wednesday night was affecting Sunday. Well, when I... When I got to thinking about it, I remembered a prophetic word that came that said, if you want spiritual results, you got to do spiritual things. See, Pastor was trying to encourage us that way tonight. See, to press on over. You know, we got to press through, and sometimes it takes a while for some of us. You know, I don't know what your problems have been today, what you've dealt with, but you've got, but, but that's the very thing. Well, I'll just come on in and sit down. Now, maybe you're not thinking about it in the way that I'm talking about it, but you just come in and sit down. Well, case, you might as well just be, you might as well just leave him in a song. Case, sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. 
Yeah, I can tell you nothing. I, I hate to inform you that, but I'm going to tell you what we have as much to do with what goes on as anything. Hallelujah. If our attitude is not right, we're not going to get it. If, I, if we're not, if we don't press through you, you see, I'm talking to you, the undercurrent thought here is I'm still talking to you about revival and how it works and how it operates. And one of the things you've got to do is never let yourself get into a place of familiarity. Now, uh, so Job, I, these are good scriptures. They deserve to be studied and meditated upon. Let's go to Matthew 13. Let's look at another one. There's some things that you need to see there. Matthew, hallelujah, hallelujah, they say down in South America sometimes. Matthew 13, verse 53. Now watch this. This is kind of interesting. Let me give you just a couple little definitions. I'm going to bore you with all of that, but I will give you some before I start on this. Uh, the word means substantial acquaintance with or knowledge of something. Close, it means close fellowship. It's a good side. There's some, that'll, be important. that'll be important to you in another way here in a minute. Undue liberty, forwardness, or impropriety. Impropriety. It means excessive and arrogant self-confidence. It means assumption, which is going to apply to this verses right here. It means assumption means a statement accepted as true without proof. Hmm. A lot of times we hear things, we just buy the, we buy the barn on it, and it's, we shouldn't. You know, I mean, we, we need, you listen. Let me give you a scripture. How many of you ever heard this statement said? And we've, you might even heard me say this. And I have said it. I'm sure I have, if not here or other places. We're not to judge anything. You ever heard anybody tell you that? You're not to judge. See, that's what they tell you out in the world. Well, you can't judge me. I sure can. If I've got to have fellowship with you and I've got to parlay with you and I've got to do business with you, you better know I'm going to find out what you are like. And I'm not going to just fly in there like a fool. I'm going to learn. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 2.15, he that is spiritual judges all things. Does it say that in there? Pastor, is that scripture in the Bible? It says that. See, we just take everything for hook, line, and sinker. And that's the problem with us now. That's how you stay ignorant. <laughs> it's because we just buy it hook, line, and sinker. Some, you know, where I'm from now, not, you have to understand this, and I don't have the time to give you all of the, uh, you know, all of the things that are involved with this, but one of the things is that, and I've heard my mother say it, and my mother was not an ignorant person. In, in one way, she didn't have a college education. She didn't have that kind of education, but she was not. And then she would, would be what we would call streetwise in many ways, had wisdom that way. My dad was an, edu he's an educated man, and compared to his time, he's, in, he's 84. He, he went to the 10th grade, which is, you know, back in, in the early, when he was born in 1918. And so those times of going to school, those, the grade levels at the 10th grade was probably like two years of college now, you know. I mean, what they taught, and they tell you that's so. But uh, my mom would say, I'm just an ignorant old hillbilly. And they talk ignorant and act ignorant. I said, God, I've got to get out of here. I know I'm ignorant. I've got to go somewhere where people are going to give me something to get me out of this mess. But just it's almost like there's a, I'm just ignorant, and I'm happy to be that way. I'm not happy to be that way. I, I want to know some things. I, I'm frustrated sometimes because, I, I hear people talk about things and I can't comprehend what they're saying. 
sometimes. And I think, I want to know that. That's good. That's interesting to me. We were just listening to tape, listening to one of these scientists talking about creation and all of the things that before we came out here. Man, I, I, I listened. I said, I just, I guess me wound up tighter than an eight-day clock. Man, I can think my mind's going 100 mile hours. Just like I, I, there was a man, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he, God healed him in his eye, and he could see without an eyeball. And I saw the man, and I saw him do it, and he walked around there and pulled his eye open like that, you know, and showed you that hole in there. He wore a glass eye. They hit him on Phil Donahue, they, they, and had his eye covered out here like this, and they tried to say, well, he was seeing out from under that cover to read a, you know, had a good eye covered, rather, and had that, you know, they said he's seen out from under that cover, <laughs> and piled out on the side of his head like that, you know, and trying to say, you know, the devil, you know, he don't know what to do with it. Sinners, they don't even know how to handle it. But he could read in Spanish, and you read English. But he would walk around, his eye open like that. He went to get his driver's license. I heard him tell this story. And he said, when I went to get my driver's license, the man come out and shaking his head. He didn't know he had a glass eye. And he took an eye test, and he come out, and he said, I never seen anything like this in my life. He said, what's the matter? He said, my eyesight. But he said, no. He pointed his good eye. I said, that eye right there. He said, he's got 20-20 vision, perfect vision. But he said, this other eye, he's got 20-10. I don't understand that. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, well, how about that? He took it out. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. But when he pulled that eye open, and I looked in that hole, and I knew he could see him. I'm going to tell you, Brother Amberg, how my mind worked. I thought, well, if you can see without an eye, you can walk without a leg. I thought inside of me the possibilities of what God can do if we don't take him for granted. Hallelujah. Whew, I think about that. And my mind works like that. Well, I don't want to be around people, you know, that's going to keep me ignorant. Huh? And, and a lot of, you know, I, I had a lot of things passed off to me religiously. That's not right. Said to be the Bible, it wasn't the Bible. We assume for it to be true. And a lot of things, sometimes we just don't look real good, so we need to just, you know, uh, look real good because the, the little things make the difference. The little words sometimes make the whole difference. Now watch this. Verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 53. And it came to pass that when, uh, I'll just read it all and I'll come back and comment. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in the synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, uh, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty words? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and uh, uh, Simeon, uh, Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Now that ought to be enough to make you read that scripture about 15 times or more if necessary to get out what he's saying. First of all, let's zero in on the word they. First of all, they were astonished. I looked that word up, and one of the ways you could say it is that they were smitten. Or it could mean to pound on them. In other words, Jesus started teaching, and he must have really been, not intensely, but just preaching in such a way they were just getting a terrible pounding. In other words, he was probably preaching to them some things about faith because he apparently wanted to do some miracles and couldn't get it done. So he must have been preaching something to them that was designed to ins inspire their faith. And it was so 
you know, it's like, it's so, I'm trying to think of an example. It was probably seemed so far-fetched to them that they didn't hardly know what to do with it. That's how it is sometimes when God starts talking to you. That revelation starts coming to you, friend. You think, my God, what in the world is happening here? I've, never, I've, had, I've been preaching sometimes under the anointing of God and have things come out of my mouth, brother. And I thought, I never heard that before. And it don't sound right. And I want to stop and say, excuse me, I've got to go study this out before I say any more. And then God would come right behind you and say something else and clarify it for you right there out of your own mouth. You know, I don't like to listen to my own self on tape, but sometimes I have to because I want to find out what I said. <laughs> Hallelujah, amen. You know, sometimes I do. It's just there. You know, I, mean, I know it's, you know, people look at you and they think, boy, ain't he a wonderful preacher? Shoot. I couldn't preach my way out of a wet paper bag with the directions on it. I don't have no ability apart from God. Forget it. I'm no great preacher. I'm just a preacher with a great God. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, amen. And so they is a key word. They were astonished or they were smitten. It means to inflict with calamity, that word does, astonished, or it means grudgingly. In other words, there was a grudge being enhanced in them or something. Maybe that's one way of looking at it. And then the second thing is they, they caused the unbelief because the first thing they did, they said out loud in front of everybody else, where did this man get this? Now, the first thing astonishment ought to do to us when we hear the Word of God in a way we've never heard it before and brings light to us, it ought to astonish us in a good way. It ought to say, well, hallelujah, that's good, man. I've got to get a hold of that. Help me see what's being said here. I'm just not going to take this for granted because, man, this is an answer to what I'm looking for. A lot of times God gives it right to us, says it directly in a way where we have, we'd have to work to misunderstand it, and because it doesn't fit our little finite way of thinking, we say, I don't want it. I'm going to get it out. Well, here comes God. He wants to give you a move of God. He said, I'd like for you to do this and this, change this, move this over here, get this, just don't do that anymore for a while or don't do a period, whatever he says. But in order to have what I want, this is what I want out of you. It's called that paradigm shift. Hallelujah. Are you out there? Man, this, this, I might have to buy this tape myself. Hallelujah. Amen. It's worth at least $150. Glory. I hope I don't have to prophesy myself into a mess here now. He said, where? They said, where did you get this? And out loud, it'd be one thing to keep it to yourself and keep your mouth shut. It's another thing when they say it. It had to be said out loud because somebody heard and wrote it. With friends like that, you don't need the devil. Friends like that are more like the devil. Be like how he'd talk. Then he said, is not this the carpenter's son? All right, let's bring it home. Is not this Reverend James Bloom an Oakley boy? Mm-hmm. I can hear the bones are cracking. He is, but he's anointed. Hallelujah, amen. You, you, I know you meant that right, but I just wanted to get that in there real good. Hallelujah. Yeah, lift your hands and say, thank you, God. Hallelujah. What you don't want in Oakley, Kansas, is some stranger who's not. I'd rather have someone from home who's anointed than to have ten that are not anointed from somewhere else. Shout amen. Hey, I'm preaching better than you shouting. Hallelujah. I might get somebody to pat me on the back. I'm doing so good. Praise God. Now, I'm, I'm being a little presumptuous now. You can pray for me later. Just let me preach now. Uh, is not just the carpenter's All right, here's the second thing. 
Yeah, I'm going to put it to you in modern-day language. Who does he think he is? Where did he get this at? He pulls his britches on the same way I do. Yes, sir. Or puts his robe and his tunic on, you know, wraps it the same way I do. What were they? Give you a word. Those people are called equalizers. They're used by the devil to diminish power and authority in the anointed men and women of God. They are the perpetrators, 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 some kind of taters. Perpetrators, say it for me. Perpetrators, I know I can say it if I can hear it. Of familiarity, which is unbelief. You know what unbelief is? It's someone who has become so acquainted with the things of God that they now refuse to be persuaded to believe it can happen. Huh? Hallelujah. Not me, brother. I've been there. I sure have been there. I sure don't like to tell you I've been there. I, you know, folks get up probably get all this upset. I've had people say, well, how come you tell it all? Because I don't have nothing to hide. You're looking at insecure intimidated, rejected, discouraged, and name a few other thousand things that I've had to deal with along the way, and I'm still here. Hallelujah. Amen. Woo, glory to God forever. Hallelujah. Because I'm just a man with a great God. That's why. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't have anything to hide about it because it's true. I've been delivered. Thank God I can sing that song. I've been delivered. Oh, praise his name. Hallelujah. Because I have. Thank God. But I don't want to ever take for granted that. Hallelujah. You know, one time I was riding a motorcycle. Didn't know nothing about riding a stupid thing. You shouldn't have been on it. I was up in a big old field. Actually, I'd been riding in the woods. Now, right on that motorcycle, it had, the, you know, the boom, boom, and the brakes and the clutch, and it had a button that cut it off. But I didn't, I saw all that other. I never did see that button. So I'm riding down through the stinking woods. I'm going through the trees, you know, as fast as I can go without getting myself killed. My wife's on the back. I'm hauling her around. She's a real woman of faith to arrive with a fool that never rode a bicycle, but motorcycle before. So she's on the back hanging over dear life. I don't remember if she was saying anything, but probably knowing her, she was. But anyway, you, you know, you, you know, you ladies have to help us drive all the time. Now, <laughs> and so uh, uh, I got, I pulled up in this yard that got her off and I was about ready. To, I had, it was a, it got, it was one of these uh, dirt bikes and it, when they get them hot, they, they, you know, they, got, they got power bands on them. Things are ready to go after you run them off. And I'm doing that thing, and I let that. I put it in first gear, and I let that clutch out, and that fool took across the yard. That bicycle is a, the fool on it, really. And I mean, I mean, it was wet. It was November. It was wet, and grass was all dew, dew over it. And I, it stood. The throttle stuck. Now I didn't know I could cut it off. Huh? Are you out there? And I couldn't get it to stop. I had the clutch in. I had my hand on the brake, and the thing was sliding. It hit a hole. It scared me, and it let my hand off the clutch, and it went down in the thing and went straight up in the air. And it, I kicked it away from me and landed out in the road in an angle like this and threw this leg completely out of joint and messed this and up and fell down on the floor and was paralyzed from the waist down. Now, I'm, what I'm going to tell you before I forget it is that I took and for granted my ability to walk and run. That's the point I had in mind. Talk about familiarity. 
of the blood. 